This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 13, Episode 32. This is Writing Excuses, how to handle weighty topics. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. Oh, and we're not that smart. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mind me. Yeah. Don't mind me. Uh, I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm I'm laughing. I'm Amal. I'm Maurice. And we are going to talk about dealing with very weighty topics. We were off to a great (laughs) start. We are off to a fantastic start. This is called nervous laughter. (laughs) That's what this is. Um, So I wanted to make sure we did a podcast about this this year when we're talking about character because it's going to come up in your writing and you're going to think about it. And we want to deal with on the podcast how and if you should and these sorts of things tackle characters who are suffering from um, difficult things like racism or sexism or people who are very different from yourself suffering from prejudice or whatnot, or even just kind of approaching someone very, very different from yourself in your fiction and doing it in an appropriate way. And I wanted to actually pitch this at Maurice first, because I know you've done weighty topics a lot in your stories. How do you make the decision to do this, and how do you approach it? Well, um, part of it is just a function of who I am. Honestly, I mean, it's part of my worldview. It's part of uh, my what I consider my writer voice. Um, and so, you know, it, it's a matter of, I don't know, when I sit down to write something, it's like, what am I feeling at the time? You know, where is my heart space? Where is my head space at? Um, and then I, I just sort of dive in from, from there because that's obviously what I'm thinking about. It's obviously on my heart, and that's the space I, I try to write from. Uh, that, and that, I think, is what plays out as authentic to people when they, when they read it. Hmm. Um, well, there, there are two examples I have that's actually not for my writing. There are two stories I read earlier this year that uh, just have, just stuck with me. And one uh, is up on Tor.com. It's by uh, Kai Shante uh, Wilson. And it's called uh, what's it? The, the Lamentation of Their Women. Mm. And it is a powerful, absolutely raw story. Um, and it's, uh, it tackles racism, uh, being marginalized, and police brutality all in one novelette. And it is kind of a tour de force of rage mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where it's like, we're, we're now past writing. We're actually, you can almost like see Kai's heart at this point. I mean, and it's just all over the page. Um, the second story is by uh, Chesha Burke, and it's called a Say She Toy. Um, and it's a story that's up on a, a Apex magazine. And, uh, a, and it's about... Uh, a, a, a robot uh, that's black. It's a, basically it's a, an advanced black sex doll. Hmm. And the abuse that is heaped upon the sex doll uh, by, by its users. Hmm. And it's just this, almost like this monologue of, you know, this is what I am experiencing. Is this all to my existence? You know, that sort of thing. And it's just, and it's a heavy story. And, it, and like I said, it's, it's tackled so brilliantly and, and Chesha has such a deft hand with this with this sort of writing it's like I'm, we are we are and from the opening line I can't even tell you the opening line you know it's you will know when you're encountered the story from the very first line of the story and it hits you right in the face and it, it grabs you right there and says this is what we're talking about and you're going to go with me for this ride hmm. 
So let me kind of expand on that and ask the why. And this is for any of you, um, or the how, I mean. What are these authors doing that is making these stories work? You say deft, words like that, and handled so um, so carefully. What what are they doing? What can our listeners learn from them? So, so what you were describing, Maurice, was it seems to be like th- those are two instances of people. I mean, so Kai and, and Chesha are both black, and they're right. writing about experiences that are like that the black people experience. But um, I think that I think that when it comes to writing people who are different from you. Um, I always, always think of something that Nalo Hopkinson said um, on a panel at ReaderCon a few years ago, uh, which was that, yeah, people are different from each other, but most everyone knows what it's like to bite into a piece of fruit. And and from that example, you know, from that, uh, she she goes on to say, we most people, we have more in common than we have not in common. And if you try to ground, the, at this point, I'm just extrapolating and I'm no longer paraphrasing what, what Nalo said, but... If you are approaching writing a character who is different from you by focusing exclusively on the differences, it's just going to happen that that character is not going to be fully rounded. That character is only going to be whatever marginalization you've given them, as opposed to if you try to ground your character in the things that you have in common, in the things that you can imagine, uh, in uh, in the fact that, yeah, you know, you both know what it's like to bite into a piece of fruit. You both know what it's like to have to wait for the bus. You know, you both know what it's like. All sorts of different things. And to maybe try to, whenever you're building a character and trying to get out their experiences, build out from the things that you feel you have in common. Um, and then from that point, think about how the differences inform those same experiences. Uh, I mean, if if you're at a bus stop and you're white, you're probably going to have a... a different experience than if you're at a bus stop and you're black and something, some inciting incident based on race takes place all of a sudden, right? But you're still, you can still know what it's like to be tired and annoyed and frustrated and aggressed and all sorts of things like that. So it's, I mean, writing is so, so entirely about empathy. Uh, and I, I think that when when you're talking, Maurice, about uh the writing from your heart space as well as your head space and things like that, it sounds to me like what you're saying is you're also writing from a place of empathy. You're writing from a place of, um, of I, I almost want to say love, honestly. Like, write from a place of love for these things that are different. And if you approach writing a different character from a place of humility as well, uh, a recognition that... Um, that you don't know everything, and that you and that you, you almost want a character to um, teach you something. This maybe sounds too facile and didactic, but like that that when you're approaching a character uh, with a background that differs from yours, approach that difference with humility and care, um, as opposed to as a science project. Uh, I mean, I'm sure some people approach their science projects with humility and care, but uh, <laughs> look at my humanities background here. <laughs> uh, but uh, but just to have that care is so important, I think. One of the things that I'll, I'll see people going wrong, and, and I, I say this as someone who, uh, who has done this um, in, in my earlier writing, um, and it, I'm, I'm sure it's something that I will do again uh, unwittingly, um, where there's a, a topic that is current or something that I'm thinking about, but not something I necessarily have a personal connection to. Mm. And and so I will want to write something that comments upon that 
Um, but it's impossible for me to um, to talk about it with the same um, with with a, any degree of nuance because I haven't experienced it. Mm-hmm. And and that's not to say that oh my goodness you must experience everything because you know Lord knows I've never experienced space flight either. Right. But um, but when you're dealing with a, a really weighty topic, one of the things uh, that that is going to happen is that you will be expressing your opinion about it. Mm. And if you're not in the group that you are expressing opinion about, the chances of that opinion being damaging increase disproportionately. So when I am looking at something about whether or not I I should tackle something, the thing that I I look at is not whether I'm going to get something wrong, um, but is whether or not getting it wrong will damage people. Mm -hmm. Like getting something wrong about spaceflight, that's not actually probably going to damage anyone. Uh, Getting something wrong about someone else's lived experience the the chances of damage increase disproportionately, especially if it is a a piece if if the the wrongness that I am delivering is something that I have inherited from media that I have consumed that is already reinforcing mm-hmm. uh, issues that that community has to deal with on a daily basis. So I, I completely agree, and I think maybe one way of of thinking about that problem is that maybe. When you're approaching a new character, a character with a different background, be aware of the fact that you're not writing in a vacuum, that as much as you feel like you're alone with the page and with this character, the part of the reason I think we call them weighty topics is because there is a disproportionate a disproportionate amount of pressure in the world surrounding those things. Like I, I'm literally imagining the world as a body with pressure points, and the pressure points are those weighty topics. So if you if you you touch very lightly even on one of those pressure points, you know the the pain or the 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 shock of it is going to be, as you say, disproportionate. Uh, whereas on places where that that pressure isn't, it isn't already there. I, I often talk about it as, um, you know, sometimes friends want me to see a movie that is popular. Uh, and I see the trailer and I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't want to see that movie. And they're like, but why? It is so great. And I say, well, it, 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 I'm pretty sure that it's going to punch me where I'm already bruised. Mm. And and it's like that thing, like there are a lot of people who walk around carrying a lot of bruises and that even a light touch on a place where you're bruised is going to really, really hurt. And you want to try and recognize that. So this sounds to me <clears throat> a little bit, I think someone could listen to this and say, so you're saying just don't do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the difference between what you're saying and just don't do it? The flip side of this is I'm going to recommend uh, this really, really amazing article by Camila Shemsi called uh, The Storytellers of Empire. And in it, she is doing a whole bunch of things. It's a brilliant, brilliant essay. Um, And she starts out by talking about how her background is Pakistani, but uh, she writes novels by, like, one image coming to her mind, and she really, like, the the image kind of guides her into the the book she's going to write. And the image that, like, kind of burned itself onto her brain um, was about uh, Hiroshima and how when the the bomb went off, uh, patterns from people's kimonos were burned onto their skin. And she suddenly got this really vivid image of someone... um, of someone with a kind of kimono pattern on their back and and stuff, and she wanted to write from that. And so she she dove into teaching herself about the history and the culture and everything. 
But in the rest of this article, what she points out is that for North America or for the West, you know, if you will, she she has this amazing line that says, your soldiers will come to our lands, but your novelists won't. And it it's so, so striking. Like, it seems like she's actually saying the flip side. She's saying, well, yeah, why aren't you writing people who are different from you? Um, and whenever I see another horrible hot take on uh, the idea of cultural appropriation, um, people are often saying things like, ah, oh, cultural appropriation doesn't exist because, you know, everyone is always appropriating and also we should try to understand each other. Those are two different topics as well. What I want to say here is, Yes, do the thing, but ask yourself a lot of questions and recognize that the thing is hard and recognize that um, that there are pressure points and that sometimes, you know, sometimes you are going to do damage, but that you should try to add, to, to decrease that pressure. You know, if there is pressure all over the world, then ask yourself, how can you siphon some of that off? Because I do think we all have a responsibility to be as empathic as possible with each other. Uh, so not trying is not ever going to solve that problem. It's just going to reduce the space in which you can operate when instead we want to try and expand that. Yeah. So, um, I actually felt like really ner- like when I was writing Buffalo Soldier, uh, it's my no- novella from Tor, uh, Tor.com, I was really nervous because like the last half of the novel takes place in Native American territory. Mm. Um, so I have Native American characters. I have reimagined Native American culture, the technology, uh, their cityscapes, everything. So it's a complete reimagining. And I was nervous mm-hmm. because I did not want to get this wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, actually, it kept me. Actually, that nervousness actually triggered some writer's block in me. So I, I actually set the project down for I think like three months because I was in my head. I was already picturing the social media backlash on me, and so that alone kept me from writing. I was like, "Oh man!" But then I had to like trust myself as a writer, and like, well, I'm doing the job of a writer. I'm being empathic, mm-hmm. and I'm doing my research, and and I'm being careful in in what I'm in what I'm doing. And then I'm going to turn it over to a beta reader who is Native American and go, all right, if I got it wrong, let me know where and why and how, <laughs> you know, uh, because my job is I, I don't want to add to that hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, want, I want to, I want, I want to, well, if nothing, I want to set the story here, you know. And so, and so that's what I ended up doing. And uh, I have a friend who's Lakota and she agreed to read it for me and she, uh, you know, gave it her blessing and everything. Actually, she really liked what I did in terms of dialogue and, and, and the reimagining because she was just like, you see us as people. And, and that's all I wanted. I was like, I wanted to, you know, that's what I, that was my end goal. So I wanted to see them as people. <laughs> Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. And that's actually one of your books. Right. Maurice. Tell us about uh, The Voices of Martyrs. So The Voices of Martyrs is uh, my short story collection. And uh, in a lot of ways, it mirrors my, my career. Um, so there are stories set in the past, stories set in the present, stories set in the future. And um, and all and, and basically it is, <laughs> it's almost like a collection of weighty, weighty stories. But part of it is, I realized, you know what, as part of my writing process, I realized that, you know, I am a black nerdy male. Hmm. (laughs) And unless I'm going to write all of my stories about being a black nerdy male, I'm going to have to write the other. But I even, but because my background, you know, coming from being born in London, a mother being Jamaican and, you know, raised in a predominantly white culture in a lot of ways, you know, I treat everything as me writing the other, even if it's writing about other black people. And 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 that's how I approached 
all of these stories. So even the story set in the past, so like the first story opens up in ancient Africa. Um, but then we move to stories of, you know, someone being on a, uh, in a slave ship or on the plantation or um, in the 20s, you know, going through, uh, you know, a, a boxer battling, basically battling his own demons at this point. Um, and then moving into stories of uh, the present with urban fantasy uh, stories, but then ending with uh, Afro-future tales. So, uh, so basically I'm, I'm going from uh, dealing with these sort of issues of cultural identity and our, our tr- uh, and just hard history to a time of hope. You know, now th- the past is there. The past is what it is. The present is what it is, where I am. Now I get to dream about the future. And, and that's why I approached all of that. Hmm. Awesome. So one of the things that, um, that I was thinking about before we took the break when you were talking about uh, doing the history and giving beta readers um, is, and I've, I've talked about on the podcast before, that I, I had a novel that I chose to pull um, because I, at the very end I had a beta reader who had a, a very negative reaction to it. Uh, but you actually have read this book. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of the things that I remember uh, – uh, when when I was making the decision was uh, and coming back to you saying I'm getting this reaction um, was that you said that you felt like you had done me a disservice because um, because you hadn't flagged things um, so so I think one of the things that that I, I want readers to be or our, our listeners to be aware of is that even when you you try to do all of these mm-hmm. things. Um, you may still have a project that is fundamentally flawed. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, and, and and that is a fear. Um, and so one of my models has always been, you know what, I will learn my lessons and then fail better the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, you know, when I th- think about, you know, doing you the service, I was like, you know what, there are stuff that I flagged and, and, and stuff that I didn't flag. And, and I was like, ooh, I wonder... You know, it kind of was like, is it my place to flag certain things? Right. And, and, that, and that was actually what, so it became a wrestling exercise on, on my end of things too, which is like, you know, I'm, have, I'm having different reactions, but I'm going to have certain reactions as a black male mm-hmm. uh, versus if you have passed a reader through a black female, for example. You know, I'm going to have a certain set of biases and certain things, certain, uh, things I'm not going to see, for example. Yeah. And, and even within that, like I, I uh, one of, because I, I had about 20 uh, beta readers on that, mm. and um, and and tried to get people that I didn't know in order to eliminate that uh, the the sympathy aspect of right. it. Um, and one of them, when I went back and said, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I pulled the book because damage. She was she was upset because the book uh, spoke to parts of her life, um, and but her life experience was very different from the life experience of some of the other people uh, who had read it. And that's, that's one of the things, recognizing that, that your readers are not a, um, your, you know, your readers are not a monolith any more than characters are, right. mm-hmm. which is why I, I have begun using the metric of what is the damage that, yeah. and, and that's, that is, um, it, it's a tricky, tricky thing. Like there's, I don't think that there is actually an amount of, research that you can do to to make a book that will be flawless and harm right. no one. Right. And uh, this is the thing too uh, it's so it's so difficult to control for what will harm or what will help people. Um I and I think about this a lot uh because 
partly because I'm a critic as well. So um, a lot of the time, the, the, the way that I've seen discussions in publishing shift as to whether or not a book should be published, a lot of the time I look at that and go, but surely there is a there is room here or there's a role for discourse to play for people to actually have a public conversation about the elements of a book that are harmful or helpful and how and i but so at the, so my my instinct is i would rather i would rather in, in the abstract see books published and talk about them than not at the same time, though, uh, to make, you know, a hypocrite of myself, I have read books um, or, or started to read books that were so terrible, like so hateful in what they were portraying uh, or so damaging in what they were portraying um, that if I could make a recommendation, like it, it's not just a matter of panning it. Like there was one time I was I, I read something that was early enough in its production um, but I I made the publisher aware that uh, this is this is like horrifically racist and and maybe you weren't aware of that but I would like to make you aware yeah. and they actually did the work of of consulting other people on that and deciding you know you know what it is actually really really awful yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll just so, pull it I so, I had oh. that happen as well with a with a book that I blurbed mm-hmm. and uh, the author was like oh huh you were right and and. Uh, I, I actually didn't blurb it. They asked me to blurb it, and I was like, I can't because of these things. Mm-hmm. And the author, they actually told the author, they didn't tell the author who. Right. Um, but the author went back and corrected things. Sorry, you were going to say oh, yeah. something. I was wondering, like, uh, with what you were saying, Amal, um, where, where do you draw that line between what is what is mm-hmm. my story to write right. versus my need to write the other? I, I guess that's, that's it's a really good question that gets to the core of it. Most, I mean— Here's the thing, too. I think we're covering a lot of ground, um, and and sometimes, and I, I'm wondering, you know, for listeners, some of, some of these things will sound so contradictory. But the reason they'll sound contradictory is because this is really complicated territory, and there are so many different situations and so many different scenarios. And sometimes something is an exception. Sometimes it's a rule. Like for for me personally. I can think of a lot of different controversies that happened around whether or not a book should be published, especially in the last few years. And I've had different opinions on every one of them, given the context around them. Maybe not every one of them, but certainly on several of them, given the circumstances surrounding them. And a lot of that will hinge on that question of why did you feel like you had to write this? And what did you think you were doing with this? And for a lot of the time when I see these things done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick an example, which I'm going to just name it because I, I really, really hated this book. And, and it, what did get published? And it got published to great acclaim, which made me feel a lot less bad about how vocally I hate this book. Um, it's called Your Face and Mine by Jess Rowe. And I mean, here I am giving it publicity. It's just, uh, and it's basically, it's it's a book that is is tackling a premise which um, you know is feels weighty, feels uh, like okay, this this is a complicated and will in, engage a lot of intense feelings, and uh, and it's because it's got this core of uh, racial reassignment surgery, basically that you can uh, you can just you can change your race with surgery, um, and it's it's a very very near future thing. But what pissed me off about it was that it was entirely entirely about a white middle-class man's kind of 
complicated feelings of guilt about race and stuff. And this was just just a device, just a device that 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 you know wanted to demonstrate ultimately how much research. Like, there's literally there was a bibliography at the back demonstrating how much research this man had done uh, on on all of these things. But reading it, I just kept wanting to throw up. I just kept wanting to be like, I this is. You've you've done so much work to so little purpose, um, or to such a, a just a terrible purpose—a purpose that that uses trans discourse um, f- to to terrible ends, to ends of basically equating uh, equating um, trans people's uh, difficulties and and the things that they live with with something that is speculative and. Uh, Anyways, I'm sorry, I'm going to get on my, I should take, get off the soapbox. But the point is that all this work was done and I kept going, but why did, why did you do that? Why did you feel this burning need to write this book about like ultimately to kind of exonerate your, your white guilt? And, and it just made me so angry when I read it for that reason. There was something that, um, I was talking with, uh, with Marianne Mohanraj, who was one of our, our guest hosts last year. And uh, she said, you know, Mary, I never see you write Southern characters. Hmm. And it suddenly made me go, huh. Hmm. Um, you're, I mean, I do sometimes. Um, but I, I think that there is a thing that we do where we tend to um, assume that, that, that we, you know, we, we always talk about how uh, you will assume that your own life experience is normal. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that there is a thing that uh, white writers are sp- uh, particularly prone to, which is that they will want to write the other because it is exotic. Mm-hmm. And that they will forget that to other people, their own experience is the exotic mm-hmm. thing. So I, I actually think between that and something that uh, Desiree said, Birch uh, said on, on the um, – podcast a couple of years ago, I actually feel like a lot of the things that people could do is simply be more specific about writing their own specific experience Mm -hmm. um, and writing about the topics that affect them specifically instead of wanting to go and, and play with someone else's life because it is because it is is set dressing that seems new and exciting to them. That's a really good point. And I think to come back to the question that that Brandon was asking before about like this sounds like you should just not do it. I found myself going why what is to what is to stop you from writing a character uh that's just, you know, in your books, uh, like, totally determined by your plot, your setting and so on, but but make them a different ethnicity or make them a different gender uh, or make them – this is, I guess, you could call it the, the um, aliens version of doing the words. So you've written a character as a dude and now you just make that dude a woman. Um, and and there's, there's criticism about this, about that kind of approach. But um, I think that one of the reasons that people react so strongly to uh, the absence of – you know, of diversity in in books is that a lot of the time people do just want to see not their pain or their marginalization mm. represented, but people who look like them and talk like them and experience the world like them getting to have adventures uh, or getting to be the protagonist of a novel that isn't about pain um, or getting because th- there's a there is a 
sort of uh, ancillary thing to all of this, which is that one of the unfortunate results of these conversations, when people um, don't uh, are too afraid to do the work of representing whoever is other to them, it falls on those people, people those who who are of you know underrepresented ethnicities, backgrounds, and, and groups, and so on to only be able to tell the story of their pain and to only like to to have their pain be the only currency they have in a marketplace of ideas. And that really disturbs me. Um, And and I could go on and on about that, but I won't. But it just, that's something that I would like to see lifted as a burden as well, to just be able to have, um, to be able to have characters of all different backgrounds going on the kinds of adventures and, and interesting things that we love in science fiction and fantasy yeah, you don't have to equate representation with, uh, with trauma. Trauma. Right. Um, all right. We could go on forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been a 30-minute podcast Whoops. already. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, Amal, will you give us some homework? Yes. Um, so this is uh, – basically, this is a little tricky. It's maybe more of a sort of shift in – in perspective than it is about generating something new. Um, basically, if you've ever, uh, maybe it's more of a revision exercise, if you take something that you've written where you've represented someone uh, from a group that you are not part of and write a scene in which a person of that group is reading the thing that you wrote. Um, it just kind of forces you to imagine the fact that someone of uh, of that background uh, will probably encounter your work uh, and uh, and see where that takes you. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.